it's Cofield and Company. I'm giving you one more chance, Steve. I can't have you driving down the road in a skyjack drinking beer. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Willard Ramirez is helping us out from the AP as the company. Three o'clock start. We go until six. We getting ready for a big weekend of fights in town. We've got NBA Finals Game 3 right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get to it. It's Trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, Willie, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Feel good Friday. Uh, slowly making my way up the company ladder. Yes, we've yes. Gone for, we've gone from a couple of segments. Yes. We've gone from guest for an hour sometimes. Now he's in all three two hours. hours. Now he's in all three hours. Yes, 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 so yes, yes. Got, the, got the email, got the text, whoever it was. I was like, yeah, I'm on it. Let's do it. Yeah, you, uh, you accept it immediately, so we're, we're fired up. Very <laughs> fired up. Um, right now in Kansas City, they're not so fired up. One of the stories that just came down in the last 10 minutes, trending at three. You know, Frank Clark had the incident about two weeks ago in L.A. Uh, got traffic stop. Uh, we talked about some of the legal aspects of this whole thing. Um, law enforcement happened to see, maybe searched. Don't know. But there was an Uzi in the car. So now it's official. Uh, prosecutors officially charge Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark with a felony possession of an assault weapon, which is so wide-ranging in terms of what could happen here. Nothing could happen, but the problem is now, Willie, you got a short timeline until training camp starts, yep. short timeline until the regular season starts. The NFL uh, plays judge, jury, and executioner sometimes, so even if charges don't follow through here, I mean, there, there's charges, but if it gets dropped, the NFL could still suspend Frank Clark Simply for a, li- a violation of, you know, whatever policy you want to kind of slap policy. on this one, personal conduct policy, and the Chiefs could be without one of their better players, an important player up front. And it's, you know, and, and you re- he's, he claimed the gun belonged to a member of his security team, which, okay, we, we've said in the past, members of the media know, when, when you have, when you're a, a professional athlete, you're making millions of dollars, you should have a security team, that you have really no reason to be caring weapons of any kind, so on and so forth. So if you do have a security team and it's a professional security team, then they would be licensed to carry firearms, handguns, whatever it may be. Uh, it's still it's still out there, an assault weapon with the issues that we're going through in society in America. That, that question is, that's the big thing right there that, that, that's sort of lingering and that's going to be the problem for him to answer for. Member of the security team or not, what are you doing driving around with a with an Uzi? What what you know what and and who's after you that you that your security need, team needs to carry an Uzi as opposed to, you know, a nine, a Glock nine on each hip? It's interesting. We talk to uh, Saran Petro out of Kansas City all the time, and he's saying uh, he's telling us repeatedly that the Chiefs have a really interesting mix of dudes where they're giving guys chances and they're, as he puts it, uh, you would call them kind of my guy. 
right? And they have several my guys that you kind of vouch for. And Frank, Frank Clark's a guy going back to Michigan who had problems, you know, went to Seattle, landed with Kansas City. And in this case, PFT is saying, yeah, if, if uh, he could be facing a discipline under the personal conduct policy, if he pleads guilty to any charges or if he's convicted uh, with a felony charge filed against him, the more immediate question becomes whether the commissioner will place him on paid leave. Right. And we know there's a big leave situation right now in Major League Baseball with Trevor Bauer. These are tough situations. And the NFL, more than any league, gets real aggressive with that commissioner exempt list uh, in the case of someone who's been charged with a felony. So we'll see what happens. The guys do $18.5 million. So if he doesn't play, I don't know what happens to the money. So that's the latest on Frank Clark, chief charged in Southern California. Uh, UFC's in town. They got a big Connor fight over at the Fortress. I don't know if you kept an eye yesterday on the press conference, but uh, watching snippets as I did, uh, it was a weird vibe from Conor McGregor. Now, keep in mind, this guy legitimately beat him, and Conor doesn't consider uh, other losses in, in his career legit because, uh, you know, in the end they came via submission. But in this case, he looked – I thought he looked a little bit off, and I don't want to read too much into a press conference, but he usually commands the press conference, gets the other guy rattled, and Dustin Poirier with a win under his belt, and Poirier lost him at the beginning of his career – uh, Poirier looked really, really confident. Dave Meltzer has covered wrestling, first and foremost, in MMA forever, said from watching USC press conference, has anyone as a promo ever slipped as much as McGregor in the last few years went from one of the best ever to a sad, pathetic parody of what he once was? That's pretty harsh. I And, and admittedly, we talked about this off the air, you know, I am old school Vegas, so I'm a boxing guy through and through. Um, I've never gotten an assignment to go cover UFC. I've watched it here or there, um, the big ones, or if I'm invited to a, to a UFC party. So I'm not really into it. I did see some snippets, and I was actually listening to the national, uh, you know, channel on my way in, and you know, just hearing that there were comments being made, and just that Connor's a different person, whatever this time off, and, and sort of maybe he's just a little bit more subdued. You know, a lot of times you can't really take what you see outside the ring, the that. Because there's been so many times that I've heard or read or especially, you know, our boy Adam Hill, who I consider to be one of the best in the world in covering the sport, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, a lot of it is they count on that facade. And I don't even know if it's a facade, but they can't. Connor, he brings that that entertainment value, that show. But well, he, he had a, but, Willie, and, he had a, he had a Tyson-like aura in terms of getting in the head and uh, intimidation, but also verbally and now that he's lost a couple times i think he's lost that edge and the biggest question going into this is he's not old uh but when you're worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars yeah like floyd now is fighting exhibitions it, it doesn't matter that much uh but floyd even at the end of his boxing career floyd wasn't a no-show for any fights he had a couple of tough fights here and there right. but that guy always trained he always kept himself in shape in spite of making hundreds of millions of dollars and that's the question here does conor mcgregor care like he did when he was on his way up or has he lost the edge? Uh, you know, as we've thrown out the line a bunch of times, you know, 5 a.m. road work when you're coming up, hey, you want to do it. 5 a.m. road work when you're rolling out of bed in silk pajamas, not as easy. And and that's where I was going is, is that's what's going to – maybe the outside of the ring persona, that, that press conference, you know, attitude, that mentality, getting in people's head, 
maybe that just didn't work anymore because it didn't intimidate. But what we see in the ring is what counts. And that is what he's got to get back to. And maybe he's found a different vibe for his training, for fights, as I was listening, driving in, in that he's a different person. And maybe he's going to apply that. It all remains to be seen because we don't know with this different person we're seeing until we see that. You know, I told you just a little bit ago, I, I went and watched uh, Lomachenko a couple weeks ago over at uh, at Virgin. Um, and, you know, he was coming off a loss to uh, to uh, Tiafimo. And, I mean, he looked like an incredible fighter from, from years ago. Looked like, he, you know, he brought back his younger days. Yep. So who knows what drives? Losses drive fighters in, in, in every Sometimes sport. they break them. Yeah, it could. Right. So, so that's why this one's going to be interesting to see what is Connor in his own head? You know, so. Yep. The Invincible got crushed at his own game. Striking. Uh, we did lose a big fight two weeks from now, the 24th. We had a big one, heavyweights, literally big. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Fury's camp, uh, COVID blowing through it. Fury tested positive for COVID. Uh, the notes I read, Fury was in between the two shots, hadn't got the second shot yet. So, uh, at least 10 members of the camp, including himself, have COVID, and the fight will be off on 724. Now, the tentative date moving forward will actually be October 9th, which is real interesting, Willie, because that weekend will also include the Bears in town to take on the Raiders. So if you're a Chicago Bears fan and you, you, know, you have friends coming in and they haven't booked the hotel and haven't booked their flights, better get on it because we haven't seen a weekend like this in a long time, maybe in the history of Vegas, where you're going to have a football game with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in town around the stadium to watch, you know, and around town and in the stadium to watch a football game. And the night before, you're going to have one of the biggest boxing matches of the year. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. And I've been in town for a lot of historic events. And when you combine that, obviously, we've never had an NFL game with something to that magnitude. And this is now this one was something that actually affected me because I was actually thinking I was going to get to cover it. Associated Press normally sends Greg Beecham in, and uh, Greg wasn't going to be able to make this one, Ah. so I was going to cover that fight. So I was a little disappointed, but, uh, yeah, the the shots, I'm not sure if that's clear. Did he get one? Did he get two? Was he completed? What the the deal is. Um, But the bigger story, if if it does take place that weekend, you're talking about two historic football teams with with a visiting team that travels well. It's one of the best traveling groups that we're going to have all year. So you know the the prices and the – uh, for the tickets and the hotel, hotel rooms, rooms and everything else, we're going to be through the freaking roof. And now, now you can have a bunch of Brits in town to watch Fury and a, a major boxing match the night before. And not only that, but you, uh, you know, and we over the years, I know that you've been a big voice on this with Allegiant Stadium and and who's paying for it, whatever. Yeah. But that would be a weekend that would definitely bring in a lot of revenue for this town, and it would really, you know, boost. Uh, and 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 and. The weather will be perfect. It'll be nice fall Vegas weather. Yep. You know, so uh, that would be a great weekend. I, I would definitely look forward to that. I would imagine that Greg would come in and we would probably tag team both events. Eh, you know what? UFC's got an event, uh, a smaller event. Let him cover that. Okay. Again, that's how it'll work out. He gets to cover UFC. You get to cover boxing and the NFL. And the Raiders. Yeah, yeah and the Raiders. Uh, let's get to the Suns and the big victory last night. We'll do that on the way back. They did it again, a 2 nothing lead. And I got to tell you, down the stretch watching it, it just felt like one team was better than the other, and they were going to make the big shots, and that the Bucks were not going to make the big shots. And we'll also get into one of the things that really frustrated me. Can we let Giannis play from the officiating standpoint? Come on. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA.
Now, back to Cofield and Company. There's Chris Paul. Off-balance shot's good, and the foul surrounded by defenders and a chance for a three-point play. Yeah, another great game from Chris Paul. 2-0 now. Suns on top. I thought the Bucks had a shot. It's funny, I was sitting there in the fourth quarter and I wanted to do some in-play, and I was hope I was I was going back and forth, uh, and I never got the number, which by the way, if I'm going back and forth, probably not a good time to, to do in play if you're not confident in one team or the other. Yeah. But as I watched it, it was clear in that environment and the fact that three guys, minimum two, but three guys were reliable scorers for the Suns that they could count on down the stretch, that they were going to be able to win the game and pull away. They wound up winning by 10. They were laying somewhere between five and a half, four and a half. And to me, the story for the Bucks again, was Chris Middleton is just so freaking up and down. Yes. Giannis was awesome. Yeah. How do you lose that game with a guy probably still 90%? Uh, Chris Paul, I thought, had a little bit of a cheap move to knock him to the ground. And uh, at that point, Giannis was was grabbing his knee a little bit. But Giannis did everything he could. I'd like him to stop shooting the threes. I'd like, I'd like to see a lot more in the lane and post-up work. But he did just about everything he could. And... Middleton between his offense, which was disappointing, also his defense at times, he falls asleep. Yeah. I forget who he gave it up to. It was, I think it was Booker. He was guarding Booker. He, there, he had Booker hit a three in his face where he didn't have his hand up. And he also had a case where Booker took, I think it was like a 17-foot baseline jumper. It comes up short, and Middleton's like looking around. Booker goes right around him, gets a rebound for a putback. Like, that's five points right there. So on both ends, come on, dude. Giannis is busting his ass. If Chris Middleton plays – half as good is his normal great game, yeah. the Bucks win that game. They, they, they might win easy. He, he scores 11 points, but is a minus 15 on the floor. He was he was dreadful. If the supporting cast, I mean, and, and you got you got Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker, right, who are supposed to be your big guys with, with Giannis, but I mean, they combined for 15 points and a minus six. The Bucks. The bottom line is, I, I don't think the Bucks are out of it because the series no. has to shift, right? They're they're gonna that arena is gonna be open. Um, I'm not sure what the amount of what the number of fans, if it's full boat or what, but they we've yet to see them put forth the effort. The only person that we've seen put forth an effort is Giannis on a bum knee. So when the supporting cast steps up, then it, it's it's going to make a difference, or you would think it would. Um, when you look at the Suns. Uh, you know, D book and and C Paul doing what they do, but when you got Bridges scoring twenty seven points and the Bucks can't get any help from Middleton, um, or or Drew Holiday, who's been he also has been somewhat hit or miss, and this is a I'm, guy. You who, know, you know what on on Drew Holiday. I'll let you finish a second. I'm I'm not going to get on him because I thought, and I don't love talking about effort. I just I thought there were lapses in concentration on Middleton's part, and he was not aggressive enough on offense. Holiday was trying, man. He was trying to score. He didn't, you know, there were times he couldn't finish. I thought, especially down the stretch, he was keeping him in the game by making sure that if Chris Paul was on him, he was going to abuse him. He's a lot smaller. He's going to the hoop. He yeah. was taking contact. Uh, I don't I don't mind Holiday, but keep going on Holiday. What were you going to say? No, well, what I was going to say is that he's also, there's been times where his game, like he, he's he's evolved and he's he's gotten better and progressively better. He just had an off night offensively, but he kept doing what he's been doing. Right. It's just that his inconsistency yesterday was he just 
you know, he shot 33% from the field, 7 of 21, uh, 1 of 3 from, from long range. But Middleton, it just, like you said, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. He was the key lapse. He was the key, he was the vacancy there for them in terms of the support. I mean, the whole supporting cast. Tucker Lopez, they had some great games. Lopez, you know, I thought he was coming to play every game in this finals. But when Middleton is not there, and especially on defense, this team, you know, you look at the the makeup and the complexion of these teams, and you automatically think offense. But what's crazy is how they've transitioned and turned. The Phoenix Suns have actually been a fantastic balanced team all season. Mm -hmm. Whether they're putting up big points or whether they've been defensive stoppers and they've been improved their defense in the playoffs. You saw what they what they, what they've done. Um, you know, no matter who they played. So whether it was the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, they they they've defensively been sound. The Bucks playing, I don't and and you know, people are going to say, well, the Nets were shorthand. They were this. It doesn't that that's irrelevant to the point that they still stepped up defensively against what they still had to beat the team. Right. You know, and a lot of teams, you've seen this Steve, you covered, you're a basketball guy. A lot of times Teams lose key players and their offense gets it's like that's what I was saying about the Bucks before this Suns here. When Giannis went down, the team actually became a little more balanced and sort of bonded together and played team basketball. That's what we've seen the first two games is Phoenix playing team basketball. It's not Giannis's fault that he's the star guy and they've lost that team effort that they had in the last two games of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the rest of the team of laying back and not thinking that Giannis needs his uh needs help. Oh, he needed it. No doubt he needed it. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA in just a little bit. Plenty to talk about as the Suns take a 2 nothing lead. Let's flip the page, get to a little off-season hockey. Yep, the off-season is here. We'll uh, talk about what Kucherov was saying after the game. The expansion draft, believe it or not, is up here in a uh, little under two weeks on the 21st. So plenty to talk about there. And we'll bring in one of the best hockey experts uh, in the world. Frank Saravalli's on the way on Cofield and Company. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Boise was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Boise, you MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year, they, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull****. Number one bull****. Boise took both cups. Volkov, WWE. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is his rendition of something. I still don't know if it's a Russian national anthem, the Soviet national anthem, but uh, and these Russians, he doesn't know Mark Andre Fleury's name, huh? Was it the uh, the Bud Light he was chugging? Did he have a little memory loss there? Or he was just very fired up to to back Vasilevsky. I don't know that Vegas guy. He, he <laughs> could have been, been talking about you for uh, Frank Saravalli covers the sport. Uh, he's an NHL expert. Got the daily faceoff uh, hockey site at DFO Hockey, and he gives Willie and Cofield here in Vegas a couple of minutes. How you doing, Frank? What's going on, boys? Happy Friday. Are you happy uh, Friday? Did you, you like Kucherov and his antics? And yeah. And let's not forget yeah. the president of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Got to give a plug to our to our association out there. Thanks. And we're not we're doing? not we're, we are not melting, Frank. We are uh, we are keeping it cool in the studio. I mean, 114. I, like, there's just not enough water out there for for a big guy like me to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, you actually get used to it. I walked out last night at midnight, and it finally dropped under 100. It was 99. Um, 
you deal with it, man. You just you deal with it. Uh, what do you think of Kucherov after the game? I loved it. Um, raw, honest, emotional, funny, engaging. It was like part WWE, part NBA <laughs> press conference, and I wish as a reporter that hockey had more of it. There was an unnecessary and uncalled-for shot uh, against uh, Montreal Canadiens fans. There was an unnecessary dig against Marc-Andre Fleury, who was very deserving of the Vezina Trophy that he won this year. And, you know, I I just think in a sport that is sometimes too buttoned up, um, could probably use a little bit more Nikita Kucherov after winning a Stanley Cup after six Bud Light. (laughs) Have you ever been part of a press conference where a hockey player has lost his shirt or (laughs) left his shirt behind? Uh, I can't recall. And the best part is, I don't know if you saw the beginning of it, he actually stepped up to the podium still wearing his hockey pants and shin pads and skates, I believe. So, like, he was half-dressed, but only from the bottom down, which I guess, thank God for that. Yeah. Frank, so t- take us through the, the last, you know, the last few weeks, I guess, of, of the playoffs. I mean, quite a, a, a unique season, obviously, a, a truncated season. Um, you know, so starting with, with the uh, – the quote-unquote Western Conference, I guess, with uh, Vegas getting through Minnesota, which was supposed to be a tough its toughest opponent, uh, and then Colorado, which we heard Peter DeBoer steadily say the best team in hockey, the best team in hockey. We got through the best team in hockey, and I think that was, you know, overplayed a little bit um, considering how Tampa Bay was playing, and then how Montreal stepped up. Um, and then on the other side, just how, how you saw some different storylines play out. With the way that this year's playoffs played out, how good was what we saw this year uh, and this postseason good for the NHL? Well, I think in a lot of ways, the Stanley Cup final left a lot to be desired. Um, You know, and I think it happens a lot in sport where you see this Cinderella team kind of go on a run and run out of gas, like the clock strikes midnight, you know, at that's the worst time. Um, and in this case for the Montreal Canadiens, it was running into the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I actually think maybe the best line uh, from Kucherov's press conference was the one that didn't get really as much play in, where he said that for Montreal, their Stanley Cup final was last round, last year. Yeah. And that yeah. was against the Golden Knights. And, you know, I think in some ways that ended up being true and, it's odd how the playoffs worked out because for Montreal, their their final, so to speak, was in beating the Golden Knights, according to Kucherov. But for the Golden Knights, their final was in beating Colorado, it seems. So mm. uh, it's amazing how sometimes you can kind of lose sight of the ultimate prize. You put so much into beating one team that, you know, you, you lose sight of the ultimate picture. And, you know, it's... I think that's actually what makes Tampa Bay's run more impressive is because you look at the teams that they faced all the way through. Um, You know, in the first round, they played a Florida team that tried to run them out of the building that also had a really strong year, and they take down that team. Then they face an upstart Carolina team that's as good as any in the league this year, and they handle them pretty easily. They take the Islanders down in seven games, a team that doesn't make and then run through the Montreal Canadiens like a buzzsaw. Like, 
to me, I think when you ask me what my takeaway from the playoffs is, it's that Tampa team is really one for the ages. Um, and, you know, a lot of people would kind of smirk in the background and say, of course, you know, with the payroll that they had, $98 million in an $81.5 million cap league, uh, I would hope so. But the depth, the talent, uh, and, and for all those reasons, even with the cap crunch that's looming for Tampa, I wouldn't put a 3 P past them given that oh, wow. no matter what, they're coming back next season with the best goalie in the world, arguably the best defenseman in the world in Victor Hedman when he's healthy, and one of the best skaters in the world in Nikita Kucherov. So, Frank, you talk to people around the league. They're, they're good with Tampa winning. This is, this is a good thing for the sport because I think there's a lot of other cities that are like, eh, cares. Tampa, is it bad for the sport? In what way? Why would it be bad? I just think uh, Tampa's off the radar for a lot of people, and it's obviously not a traditional hockey market. Well, that would be like someone saying, is Vegas winning bad for the sport? Like, I actually think know, a lot of people say that. A lot of people get on Vegas uh, for the way they've won. They actually do think it's bad for the sport. I think that's crazy. Like yeah. for this sport to grow, it needs to branch out into non-traditional places. I saw a report today. Someone from UFC was saying that they think that UFC has jumped the NHL into becoming one of the four major sports in the U.S. And maybe by eyeballs, they're correct. Um, and it wouldn't be fair or preposterous to say you know that 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 has occurred. Or some people would argue Major League Soccer or even the Premier League or whatever it is that. Um, has supplanted the NHL in terms of that. And part of the reason for that is some of the things I've already mentioned on the call, the fact that the league is so buttoned up, that more players don't express themselves like Kucherov did, the fact that more non-traditional fans aren't being welcomed into the sport on a regular basis. Like, hockey is, you know, it's been my life. It's, you know... It's an awesome sport. I think it's the, the, the best, most aggressive, fastest sport uh, and physical sport with the skill that's involved, the highly tuned athletes. Like, I just don't think it's celebrated enough, and the reason for that is because some people feel like it's too inclusive, too, uh, there's too much of a bubble around it, and I'd love to spread the love and welcome in as many people as we can. Frank Saravelli's with us, a hockey expert. Um, I think the move to ESPN is massive. Uh, NBC really sputtered down the stretch, and I think it starts with the expansion draft. I'm really looking forward to how they cover the expansion draft and making it into a big event. Yeah, I think that's going to be part of it, is just having more people see it, have it on ESPN and you know once a week and, and get back in the rotation on SportsCenter. It seemed like it was missing from that for so long. So that's going to be part of it. And, yeah, the expansion draft, getting some new faces in there, a new team, a new market enters in Seattle. The excitement there is going to be the same, uh, very much in the same way that it was in Vegas, and you know, have the league keep um, you know moving forward from there. So, Frank, you um, you're one of the one, one of the main main guys that, especially during free agent time, once uh, you know, or at the trade deadline, that that gets the calls, knows the agents, gets the scoops. Um, First, I guess a two-parter is one. I mean, from your end, from covering from a national standpoint, does where does Vegas uh, make this this year's off-season move? Does it does it focus on a true uh, top center? Does it does it look for center depth? Does it look to move Flurry or Letter? Steve and I have had conversations on the late night podcast he does in in terms of you know everyone says move the Flurry salary, but. Trade value, uh, you know, Leonard, if he's younger and long-term, he, you'd think that he 
may carry better trade value. From your perspective and what you've seen, what this team's done first four years and you know, making the splash it has, you're the GM, put you in the GM seat. What does Vegas do? First part, second part, what are you hearing, if anything? Well, I think the first thing, and everyone said it, but it's true, is you need to get a center. I mean, you can't look at your depth chart and have this team with really talented wingers, um, you know, not have the center component to go with it, not in a 200-foot game environment. Um, you know, you need to have centers that are drivers that can help drive the bus. And Chandler Stevenson, not a knock on him, but he's not a number one center on a Stanley Cup contender. He just isn't. And they need to improve that position. Um, then with regards to the goaltending, um, you know, I personally don't think that there's significant trade value in Robin Leonard out there, given the way that this season unfolded, given the term that's remaining on his contract. Uh, I think it would be pretty significant. It would be significantly difficult to move Robin Leonard, given the contract uh, and what's remaining on it. Um, I know that he's under 30 years old, but I think there's lots of questions about his health. All those things that go into um, being able to carry a team for the long haul. And I think, you know, asking questions about where this team is at and going forward in the goaltending spot. The other thing to keep in mind that I haven't seen too many people mention this offseason is Marc-Andre Fleury is eligible to sign an extension. Is, is that the way this team moves forward in terms of trying to solidify the position is try and find a way to unload Robin Leonard and sign Marc-Andre Fleury to an extension? Because you know, some people look at him and say, oh, he's 36 years old. He turns 37 in November. You know, is he going to be past his expiration date at a certain point? Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't shown any signs of that to me, winning the president for the first time in his career at this age. And this position in particular is one that you can have others have proven you can play effectively well into your 40s frank that was a great spot man we appreciate your time on a friday but do tell people here in vegas about the uh the website daily faceoff yeah thanks uh real quick just daily faceoff is a spot that everyone goes to to check the line combos uh and see a team's lineup chart and their starting goalies for daily face daily fantasy and gambling info now we're going to be adding lots of content to it. Looking forward to hiring a bunch of people this summer to help bring with me and, and build it out. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, Frank, we'd love to get you on uh, after everything goes down with the expansion draft and the draft. So we appreciate the time. Thanks, Sounds Frank. Good, guys. Stay cool. Take care. Talk to you soon. There he is, Frank Saravelli, uh, formerly with uh, TSN. Uh, he is one of the scoop guys yeah, in is. all of hockey. He gets the news before anyone. So when Leonard or Flurry is moved, and I think one of them is going to be moved, he might have it first. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I have to give a shout-out to Frank because I've worked closely with him this season. It's my first year um, as far as being involved with the Professional Hockey Riders Association and, and handling the social media duties for uh, the NHL's, you know, pro writers and uh, working hand-in-hand with him. And let me tell you, he deals with a lot of stuff, and um, I had already had respect for him just in terms of, you know, who he was, but um, – you know, behind the scenes talking to him. He's a great guy. Coming up next, uh, Mr. Vegas. Oh, yeah. Arash Marchese out of uh, Southern California with the mighty 1090, formerly the LA Times and ESPN. He's in town. He's getting ready to cover the ceremonial weigh-in. He's all over the UFC and uh, also the fight game and all the big events around Sin City. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. It's a Friday. We get a chance uh, multiple times a year to check in with uh, Mr. Vegas. Mr. Vegas, boy, it irks people. Uh, Arash Markazi from the <laughs> Man About the Country is here with us. He's in Vegas, and he's hanging out at Resorts World, one of our newest mega casino hotels in town. What do you think? I like it. I like it a lot. They did a really good job. Uh, the location's great. Again, the first, uh, you know, from the ground up, new strip property in over 10 years. And, um, yeah, you know what What old school location is going to get a lot? I mean, this place was already packed as it was. The Pepper Mill is right across the street. I so I, I uh, went and grabbed a drink at the Pepper Mill, which I haven't done in a while just because, like, I'm normally in the center of the strip. So, no, they, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, for people outside of Vegas, and we're talking to a Vegas audience mostly, a resorts world is going to represent a revitalization of that end of the strip because you got the build out of the convention center, uh, you've got the Drew, which eventually will be finished. I mean, the frame is there. You've got yeah. the wet and wild land. You've got Sahara that could use all that foot traffic walking all the way up the Strat, and then there's another piece of land that's owned by uh, Phil Ruffin, who also owns the Circus Circus. So that's going to be the next big area where Arash is going to be all the time. Yeah, you know, because effectively, like, as you know, and I think people who are tuning in who are not from Las Vegas, I mean, the 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 classic strip, as you know, it effectively is done at the win. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of properties like the Sahara will say they're part of the strip as well, but they're not really. I mean, I mean, they, there's nothing in between. So like, like, like you mentioned, Resorts World now connects to kind of. You know, the Drood that will connect to the Sahara, that will connect to downtown. So this is a really great time for Las Vegas. And again, Steve, like we, 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 we talked about it. This July 4th weekend or the weekend after July 4th is sort of the welcome back. Vegas is not only back, but like grander than it was before in terms of Bruno Mars tonight, Park MGM, UFC headlined by Conor McGregor, Garth Brooks at Allegiant Stadium, like all these big events in his pack. So a great time to be here in Las Vegas. I'm assuming you will stay after UFC for the press conference, and I forget. Do you guys – do they actually have access to the fighters? Are you guys going to be on Zoom? Yeah. Because I think the, the other cool thing, Arash, uh, after the fight, I mean, I think it's cool, would be to kind of walk down towards uh, where the Al is – behind Mandalay Bay and just see what the crowd looks like between uh, the Fortress, you know, T-Mobile and yeah. the Al, because you're talking about 85, 90,000 people. Yeah, I mean, and again, you guys have done such a good job covering it. I think what a lot of people are going to be intrigued about, and I think it'll be a you-know-what show, uh, <laughs> the traffic and the parking situation is going to be a problem. Listen, it's their first event back. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, when Dodger Stadium came back to 100% capacity, and here in Los Angeles, and when I say here, like that's where I live, but we went from like zero to 100. Like We went from you cannot go up to a bar and sit down and grab a drink to 100% capacity, 52,000 fans at Dodger Stadium, they didn't know how to handle that traffic. And you're talking about a stadium that's been in Los Angeles for a long, long time. This is going to be no knock on Allegiant Stadium. This is going to be no knock on Las Vegas. They will not know what to do with that amount of uh, traffic and cars, and it will be an absolute mess. Right now, not only is Vegas back, Steve, taxi cabs are back. The, the, yeah. the price of a cab <laughs> is half the price. And I'm not even joking because I've looked up, I've been here for a few days. It is half the cost of a lift. So, um, you know, cabs are back and, and 
Um, this is going to be an interesting time because, you know, there's one thing to have an arena, a 20,000-seat arena that's essentially connected to a casino. It's another to have a 75,000-seat football stadium. Yep. So we'll see how that goes uh, this weekend. It's going to be a mess, but that's okay, Vegas, because you're not alone. It was a mess. I, I don't know what that's going to be like, Steve, in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. That's going to be a mess, too. Yeah, I'd rather have this mess than the mess where the entire strip is closed down. And, and, yes, oh, and, and 100%. And it's, and it's super quiet, yeah. Price surge will be the uh, phrase of the day on Saturday. So let's go back to yesterday. You were at this crazy press conference. They've done this before, but for folks who don't know, I mean, UFC does something really unique around the Connor fights. They have a press conference with the two big fighters, Connor and Poirier, and then they let the fans go crazy and ask questions. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, the fans are not supposed to ask questions, but that did <laughs> appear to be what was happening with the majority of the media. I'm, I'm assuming they, they just didn't want to be a part of the show. But yes, like, like, like Chad Ochocinco had a question and a few other people um, had questions that were a little bit suspect. No, I, you know, the reason that I love this, and so the weigh-in is open to, to the public, or at least the ceremonial weigh-in, and then the press conference. I mean, this gives fans the ability because, Steve, the get-in price for you to be at the worst seat in the house for the fight on Saturday is over $1,000. Wow. If you want to be on the first level, it is over $2,000. So at least this gives fans the chance to you know, walk into T-Mobile Arena to uh, see Conor McGregor, to be a part of Fight Weekend, and they've done such a good job with it. And you touched on it. UFC has been the one professional sports league that has really done away with the zooms. Like, like, like during the pandemic, I remember when they were having these fights and it was just me and like four other people, like right by the cage, they did actual in-person press conference. Now we, we, we had to be tested and things like that, but they have really not done the whole zoom thing and talking to people around sports. I'm hoping this has not been the case. So team USA, by the way, is in Las Vegas. They're doing Zoom. I'm hearing the NBA um, is looking forward to perhaps by next month for the Summer League to bring uh, media availability at least closer to what we had before. Maybe not locker room, but at least in-person press conferences. So hopefully by the time next month when all 30 teams will be here, it'll be a little bit closer to what it was pre-pandemic. I want your take on the fight, and I want you to do, and maybe you don't have a read on it at all. Maybe you're just going to tell me, hey, it's nonsense. Press conferences don't matter. But there were a lot of people yesterday who were kind of analyzing the way Connor behaved at the press yeah. conference that Poirier didn't look affected. Connor was throwing out stupid lines. He kind of looked a little flustered. And then he just started yelling. Do you take anything from the press conference and his demeanor? So there was two things. I mean, normally, I, I mean, no matter what he says, I can understand and transcribe Conor McGregor. There were moments in that press conference I had no idea what he was saying. I know his mouth was moving and words were coming out of it. I think they were words. I had no idea what he was actually saying. The other part about it, I mean, it just seems disingenuous. It just seems like he's trying to be the old Conor McGregor, right? Like his wife and kids are back home. Like he's you know, like he's training the same way he did. He's acting the same way he did. At the end of the day, Steve, if he loses, and I know he wants to have a few more fights. I mean, that Nate Diaz fight, in, in his words, and I agree with him, has to happen, and it will happen. I think whenever Connor fights, it will be a big deal, but it, it becomes not as big of a deal if he's lost two in a row or three of his last four fights or four of his last five. I mean, so it... it while I was watching it, and I love pro wrestling, and you know that, it, it just seemed like I was watching something that had been scripted. 
he has to beat Poirier on Saturday night. He has to. Not, not, yes. to, not to fight Nate Diaz, because they can fight off of losses, but if he wants Diaz and he wants to be, as he said, at the Death Star, he has yeah. to win to fill that place up and really make it a big fight against Diaz. 100%. He has to. And, and I would love for that fight to happen at Allegiant Stadium because it would just be such a great moment and experience. And I mentioned to you before, the get-in price to have the worst seat at T-Mobile is $8,000. The beautiful thing about having that fight at Allegiant would be the ability for so many fans who have not been able to go to a UFC fight live to see it. Now, how great is your view going to be? It doesn't matter. You're part of the the atmosphere and so the number of people that would travel abroad for that fight so normally i don't have a fighter that i'm really hoping but but for ufc for mixed martial arts for las vegas i'm hoping connor finds a way some way somehow even if it's a controversial decision to win and set up that fight against Nate at Allegiant Stadium, it would be huge mr vegas Raj markazi on cofield and company he's always in town for the big events. I don't know if you were coming in two weeks. I assume you were, but I don't think we're going to have an event now. It looks like it's been uh, delayed to October 9th. What a freaking bummer. COVID's still here, and if you're not careful or if you're not fully vaccinated, Tyson Fury found out that, uh, hey, this is what can happen is Fury and Wilder goes down the tubes, and it was supposed to be here in two weeks. Exactly. I was planning to be here for that fight. The only positive that can come from this is that I hope this gives other fighters out there who are on the fence about getting vaccinated. Or if you just got one, you got to get those both of the of, you know, you got to get the first dose and the second dose and, and make sure because here's the thing. Sports can continue if one player goes down. Fights cannot no. continue if one of the fighters go down. So you cannot have Fury Wilder without Fury or Wilder. So hopefully um, this is a, a, you know, you know, Pacquiao and Spence see this. I'm, I'm hoping that they are fine. But, but you again, as you mentioned, Steve, COVID's still out there. And I, and I know it's hard to forget that, especially being here in Las Vegas, you know, no mass, 100% capacity. This weekend in particular, totally back to normal. Be cautious out there, folks, you know, especially if you were a part of a big fight like that. I mean, this was going to be such a big moment for those two guys. And and the problem for them, Steve, is because because of all the events happening in Las Vegas, they, they couldn't just kick the can down the road a couple weeks. That fight's now going to happen in October just because we have a big fight in uh, September here. Yep. Probably uh, here. Yeah. 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 Nine Eleven going to be uh, De La Hoya and the. Uh, the rescheduled uh, Tiafimo Lopez, I think. Uh, so October 9th is could be the new date for Fury and Wilder. For Bears fans who were listening in, if you know Bears fans who are coming in, that's actually oh, Bears, right. that's Bears Raiders weekend. So what a weekend for Las Vegas, a mega fight and an NFL game. Steve, that, that is what is going to happen now in the fall with these amazing events that Vegas has always had, right? I mean, like, I've been on this beat for about, I guess, six years now. What, what what changes with Allegiant now is that you're going to have a big football game, whether it's the Raiders and the Bears or the Raiders and the Broncos or the Chiefs or whatever. And then all these big events that are going to be coming to Las Vegas. I mean, it's no secret that probably the Super Bowl in 2025, you're going to get the Pro Bowl, you're going to get the draft. I mean, all these major events. And it's just such an exciting time to be here. I mean, th- this was a fun city regardless, but man, a fight weekend where you have uh, uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight on Saturday, and then the Raiders and the Bears, two of the more storied franchises on Sunday. Yep. Incredible. You're going to have get-in prices of like 800 <laughs> on up for an NFL game. 
and a yeah. fight weekend, and then the casino host in town. They're going to be going bonkers, man. They can uh, they can bring in their their biggest high rollers. Let's close on this. Uh, Suns are up to nothing. Uh, Rosh is yeah. on the LA beat, so he's on the Lakers. He's on the Clippers. I saw you tweet the other day about the Lakers situation. You know, just a few weeks back, the Lakers were in a position a good position to take out the Suns, then AD goes down, and now look, now the Suns may roll to a freaking title. You know what? The one thing that I will give the Suns, and this will be good for them, because I felt that if they had beaten the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo, listen, they're not going to put an asterisk on it. In Phoenix, they don't care. They're going to hang the championship, and they're going to be happy with it. But it would have looked weird. Like, you beat the Lakers without Teotihuacan Davis. You beat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. You beat the Clippers without Kawhi. At the very least, not only is Giannis playing, he's playing like out of his mind. That game he had in game two was incredible. So the only thing I'm hoping, Steve, is that the Suns don't win in four because I am tired of Suns in four guys. The fact that that guy is like a hero in Phoenix, I don't know why. Like It just does not sit well with me. So I, I'm hoping for the Suns in five, six, or seven. Please not Suns in four. So this is great. Arash, if he's on the show generally, it means he's in Vegas. And Arash, we had a long run where you just weren't here because there are no events. So really, Arash here signals the beginning of the rebirth of Las Vegas. <laughs> it it kind of does, right, Arash? I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Arash. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Bruno Mars tonight. Thanks, Steve. I'll talk to you soon. There he is, Arash Markazi on Cofield and Company. He has a show on the Mighty 1090, and we like to joke around. Mr. Vegas, he's always in town covering the beat from Southern California. On the way back... We're going to talk more NBA Finals, recap game number two with our coach, Joe Esposito. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.